Well, today uh, we're continuing our, our look at 1 Corinthians, of course, as we have uh, just started this series uh, about two months ago. And we're looking at the church and the building of the church, starting with the foundation uh, and then also the structure of the church. And when I mean the church, I mean God's people, uh, the local church specifically, not just the universal church, every believer across the planet, though that's part of it here. But Paul is, I think, specifically talking about local churches that gather, how we build our churches, our church families, not the building that we sometimes call a church, but the church, the people. Uh, what is the foundation of faith for the people that are called to each local congregation? And what is the structure that is built upon that foundation? How do we build on that foundation that is laid? So what are we built on and what are we built with? And I think that has to do with our, the corporate identity of a church, Life Mission Church, or whatever church might be in this community. But it also has to do, I think, with the actual believer, because you and I, as believers, we're part of the building of the church. And when I'm using the word building today, I'm using the word building in a spiritual sense that the church is a building. And that's the first verse we're going to be reading today is when uh, Paul says, you are God's field, you are God's building. So what I'm saying is that we are God's building and as we see that Peter says in a different letter, that we each are like living stones connected to each other to make the walls of this building. So we are the building of God. This isn't the building of God, but we are the building of God. And so what are we built on as our foundation in both our corporate identity as well as our individual life? And what are we being built with? What stones, what kind of materials are we using to build our lives and our church with? And because the church is people, you and me, we'll be asking ourselves how we are building our particular life, our particular faith, because how you build your life is gonna affect how this church is built. Isn't that right? Whatever you're building in your life, that's gonna affect this building of the spiritual church. All right, so we're gonna be looking at both today. How do we build our corporate church here? But also, and when I mean corporate, I don't mean the organization, but I mean the spiritual element of this family. And how are we building our own lives from parenting to marriage, work relationships, decision making, spending your money, spending your time, and how we build our church. So a brief overview before I jump into the text here. Paul's going to make a case that the foundation of our faith should be Christ alone. The case was made previously last week when he's telling the Corinthians not to have their faith to be on particular men, certain teachers but rather on God who gives growth, God who gives increase, and that we should be building with materials that survive God's judgments. I mean, let's kind of look at, if we're going to use this metaphor of a building, God is really kind of the building inspector, isn't he? Right? He's the fire chief to let us know if we're building our church to code. Right? So that's kind of what Paul's going to be talking about here. So we want to survive God's judgment as the building inspector, as the fire chief. We want to survive his judgment. Will we pass the test of what a true church looks like and should be. Will we pass his test? We want to use materials that will give the church and give our faith and our lives and our parenting and our friendships longevity that will withstand the test of time, the test of God's judgment, the test of trials and hardships and storms, and of course, this great God who is the fire chief and building inspector. Will he see fit to what we are building our lives with. We shouldn't build our lives with greed or immorality or cheating, cutting corners or laziness. 
Those are the negative things. But there's also some sort of positive things that we think we can be building our church with and build our lives with. We can, as a church, we can look at numbers and numerical growth or production value and how well we do things and how good the music is. And we kind of make that the foundation of our church. And that's what we tell our friends like, oh, you love it. The music is so good. Oh, you love it. It's a really nice facility or whatever it is. We tend to build sometimes our church on those things. And not that any of those things are bad things, but is that what we should be building our church on? So we have bad things that we know we shouldn't build our lives and church on, but we also have some good things that aren't bad, but we still should not build our church and our faith and our families on them. Entertainment or the praise of man, the esteem of others, wanting people to be impressed with what we do as a church or what we do as a family with our family values or whatever. We can build our lives and our church on things that aren't from the Lord that aren't the materials that he gives us to build our lives with. Rather, we should be building with steadfastness and peace, patience and teaching healthy, true doctrine, teaching the true Jesus Christ, using building blocks that are worthy, strong materials, eternal materials, and of course, building on the only foundation that will withstand the test of time, which is Jesus, the rock of our salvation. So he's going to be telling the Corinthians here to put away worldly wisdom, kind of our own ingenuity and how we think that we can build a strong, healthy church, how we can build strong, healthy families, put away just that kind of human logic and worldly wisdom, things that are going to change with the culture that will not stand the test of time and definitely will not pass the judgment of the great fire chief and building inspector. So instead, we need to be building on a foundation that will stand firm through the ages so with that, let's open up to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be again in chapter 3, going into, starting in verse 9, which we left off in last week, but we're going to be going through 23 today. And before I read that, I'd like to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us into this truth and help convict us, but also encourage us into how we would build our lives and our church with the right materials and on the right foundation. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've brought us here once again, faithfully, to this place. And even as Eric said, we, we could sit at home and we could read this very text today. And we could do this at home or we could watch a sermon online. But that's not how you've designed in your wisdom for the church to thrive and function. And though this time that we have together, this... Uh, time we spend on Sunday mornings isn't the totality of our faith, but it is absolutely and most definitely such an incredibly important part of why we, we gather. It's an incredible part of, of how we grow in our faith, how you've called us to live, to live in a community of other believers. As Peter calls us, living stones, and we need each other to be living stones to make this temple that we don't just live our lives by the march of our own beat, in our own wisdom, saying, oh, I don't need the church, I just need the Bible, or I just need this, or I just need that. But we actually look at your word, and we believe that your word has wisdom for our life and a great design, and part of that design is these living stones coming together, built up with one another, and building each other up, so we can form this, this spiritual building, this temple, a home in each of our hearts where you can be worshiped. And so God, we 
pray that this morning as we get into your word that you would show us how we can build each other up. And, and even if there's parts of our life that maybe we realize we've been building on either the wrong foundation or with the wrong materials, and maybe we've built up this great structure, give us the, the wisdom the courage to even break down that structure and start over and start right. It doesn't matter how far we've gotten in building this or that, we should be willing to dismantle that thing if that thing is faulty. So help us, Lord. Teach us humility. Teach us humility, Lord. As a church, as families, as marriages, teach us the humility of following after you. We thank you and love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul's saying, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive his reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." Don't you know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now don't deceive him, uh, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So he's coming out of an illustration from last week where he uses an agricultural sort of metaphor with a field and seed and watering that he and Apollos are just servants and God's the one who makes things grow. And here in a similar metaphor, but one that has actually some significant differences, he says that we're all fellow workers. So he's before saying we're servants out in the field. Now we're workers building a building. The church people, the corporate people, is the building, whereas before he said the church is the field. And Christ is the cornerstone, the foundation, whereas before he's saying that Christ is the seed that's being cast. Now he's the cornerstone, the foundation. And so in this first analogy, he says, some plant, he said, I plant, Paul plants, Apollos watered. And in this one here, he's saying that I laid a foundation and others are building upon that foundation. Probably a reference to Apollos, but also just a reference to all of God's people who build upon a foundation that was brought in by an apostle that laid an initial foundation, which was Christ. So here Paul is talking about the building of the church, specifically he's saying this building isn't just a regular building, but it's actually a temple. That's what you see in verse 16. Don't you know? You guys are the temple. That's the building that's being built here. We have the foundation, and we're building the temple of God with our own hearts, our own lives. 
We're the temple of God. And together, collectively, as living stones, as Peter says, we are put together as living stones and we form the temple of God, the place where God is worshiped, which is our own hearts and our lives. It's not a building. It's not a cathedral. It's not a chapel. No, it's, it's us. It is God's people. This is, the, this is the temple of God. And together we form little local sort of mini temples, Life Mission Church, the Fields Church in Carlsbad, New Life Presbyterian in Escondido. We form these sort of little kind of mini temples of God's people, but collectively together, we are God's temple, his church. And we also are the builders. We're the building collectively, but we're also the builders. Just like before, we're the field, but we're also the planters and the waterers. So we have kind of this dual purpose that we form the building, but we also are the ones who build the building. And just to be clear, again, I know I don't have to say this all the time, but the church is not a building, a physical building. But the word church in Greek means assembly. So it's not actually, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to say I'm going to church this morning because if you're speaking Greek, you'd be saying I'm going to the assembly this morning, and that's a true statement. We shouldn't call the buildings necessarily buildings, unless maybe we call them church buildings, assembly buildings, but the building itself is not an assembly Though we could call it a church building, an assembly building. Back when I worked at my previous church, it was funny, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but it was just kind of subliminal, I think. But uh, I would go to work there, right? And I would go to church there. And at night, I had a band, and so we would rehearse at night. And so whenever I'd say to my wife, when I'd leave the house, if it was during the week, I'd actually say, okay, I'm going to work now. But on Sunday, I'd say, hey, it's time to go to church. But if I was going there at night to play music, I'd say, hey, I'm going to the building. It was kind of strange, and I didn't do it on purpose, but that actually, I think, is a right way of seeing it, that I, I was going to an assembly on Sundays, but during the week, it was the place I worked at. It wasn't a church during the week. It was just a building, and it's a place that I worked, and at night, it was, wasn't my work, and it wasn't where I assembled, but it was, a, it was just a building that I would go to to play music, and so we have to get this in mind that when we gather and we go to church, so to speak, what we're saying is we're not going to a building. We're going to an assembly of God's people. We're going to the collection of the saints in a local building for the purpose of worship. So when we say we're going to church, we're saying we're going to see God's people. And so we have to get that constantly in our mind as we see ourselves as the church. And so Paul came into town and laid this foundation, which not, is not himself. He's not the foundation. He's not the seed that was planted. But that seed, that foundation is Christ. And the church must be built on this foundation. And then there's the superstructure, the load-bearing walls, right? The, the, the walls that as they go up, they're going to be bearing the load of the roof, right? So you've got some walls that are load-bearing and some interior walls that aren't load-bearing. They're just kind of there for separating rooms or whatever, but they don't actually carry any weight. They're just kind of decorative, functional. But you've got the superstructure of what the church is being built upon, what makes the building. You've got the foundation is Jesus, but what makes the building secure? What bears the load? What, what bears the load to keep out the storm that comes? So now he's going to talk about the materials used for the superstructure, the load-bearing walls of this church, this collection of God's saints. They need to be good materials that can withstand fire. And wind and rain, snow and blizzard. And unfortunately, the Corinthians were building their church and their life on different foundations. 
Specifically, we saw that they're kind of building their faith and their church on the personalities of men, Paul and Apollos. And so they had started building a new foundation or using maybe a different materials for their superstructure. So the picture we get is this. Uh, let's say you have a, a home built on a particular foundation, the first thing that was laid when it was being constructed. And you've got your load-bearing walls, the most important walls that are part of the superstructure of this home. But at some point, you don't, you're not really content with your home anymore. It's too small, or the rooms are too small, or you want something a little different. You want more. And so, what do you do? You build an addition. And what you have to do to build an addition is you have to add to the foundation. You build a new foundation first, don't you? You've got your home, but then you want this little area here, so you lay a new foundation over here, and you start building your addition. And in our life, it might look something like this. We say, well, yeah, we, we know that Jesus is the foundation, but for the Corinthians, for instance, but man, we only really hear the truth through the way that Apollos teaches. Oh man, oh, that's the only way we can really hear the truth because he's just so good. So we've got Jesus the foundation, but then we build an addition, and that's Apollos. And all of a sudden, now our life and our church isn't built solely on Jesus, but also on this little addition of certain types of teachers or certain types of things that we think are necessary in order to really build our life and our church. We say, yes, Jesus, definitely, but only through Apollos. So we build an addition. Or we say, Jesus is enough. In our personal lives, we say, I, and I know I shouldn't be in this relationship. I know I, I'm flirting with danger here. Or, or I know I shouldn't be saying or talking this kind of way or looking at these particular things or enjoying this kind of entertainment. Or I shouldn't be spending my money foolishly this way. I know that's true. I know that Jesus can be my satisfaction and he can keep me tethered and not getting into that relationship or not pursuing this thing. But I just, I just need a little, a little me time. I need a little downtime. I need a little relaxation. So I'm just going to build a little addition onto the house. I'm not going to leave the foundation. I'm still going to be there most of the time. But I'm, I've got a little, a little retreat that I get to go into every once in a while. And so I'm going to build a new foundation. And I'm going to build up some walls. And I'm going to hang out over the foundation here, the, the main part of the house. But I just want this little addition. And so I lay a new foundation and I have my own little place that I can excuse my sin or excuse my decision making or the things that I think are necessary for my life, necessary for my faith. And we can do this corporately as a church. We can build these little rooms off to the side and we say, yes, definitely Jesus, but also this. We have to have these programs. We have to have this type of ministry. We have to have this type of music. We want this kind of preaching. We want whatever it is that we want specifically out of our church. Well, I really love them, but this just doesn't really do it for me. So we have this little addition that we have to have if we're gonna have this church that we really love. Whatever that is in our life, in our church, we have these little additions that we build, foundations that we add on to Jesus, and then we build these little additions. As a church, we know that the gospel is sufficient for life and godliness. The good news of Jesus Christ changes our life, changes our hearts, changes the affections of our hearts, draws our eyes away from sin and onto Christ. We know the gospel is enough for us. I know that's true, but, but I need some good self-help stuff. I need, I need something really deep that really is life-changing. I know Jesus loves me, 
but we need some better programs in this church. We need some, something to really meet my needs, and it doesn't have it, so I'm going to build a little addition. Yeah, I, I know, I know the gospel's good enough, but, but I need something that can really, I need some nuts and bolts for my life. Something that can help me become a, a better businessman or a better this or that. Just knowing Jesus loves me, that's, that's not enough. So I build a little addition. So rather than Christ being the very thing that binds the Corinthian church together, instead they're building their church and their faith upon other things, other additions, other foundations. But what happens is that people then camp out in their addition far more often than they do in that original building because you customize your addition, right? You got the temperature control and the lighting's just right and everything's new and shiny and now this old house, it's just not as fun anymore. So we spend more and more of our time in the addition. And Paul warns us not to build a new foundation. There's different ways that you can get rid of an original floor plan, an original foundation. The first thing you could do is you could just go right out, you could tear down the house, uproot that whole foundation and start building brand new, whole new floor plan. Some churches that we might see in this culture, here in America particularly, you can see that they quickly abandon the things of Jesus. They quickly abandon the gospel. As the culture around them changes, they're quick to adjust to that. That's one way you could do it. That's one way you can build a new foundation is just go with the flow right away and very quickly just abandon biblical truth. You could do that. Now as a church, our church specifically, I don't think we'd probably ever be that kind of church. And I only say probably, just so you know. But I don't think that we would probably be that kind of a church that would just blatantly, just all of a sudden, make a major left turn and abandon the gospel. I don't see us ever doing that as a church corporately. Most of you aren't the kind of people who would do that and just, you know, get some kind of women and go, you know what, that sounds better. I don't think that that's largely, and I know most of you guys, I think that's not largely how it's going to happen for us if it happens for us. But we might do it slowly, we might do it gradually. We add on this little addition. We move this wall out a bit. We add a little, little sunroom, maybe add a deck. And in our lives, we start just kind of slowly adding things to our faith and our life. And it's just little bit by little bit, moving out a wall, adding a little breakfast nook, expanding this doorway, making a, a bigger window adding in a pool, whatever it is, in our life, we will slowly change our faith and what our faith is built on. We start depending on different things in our life. And it's slow and it's subtle. And all of a sudden, these gospel walls in our lives aren't the load-bearing walls anymore. Because the footprint of the foundation is here, but now all of a sudden, we've added here, here, and here, and here. Load-bearing walls are all out here, maybe a few inside, but all of a sudden, those central walls, they're not even necessary anymore. You could actually tear them down because you've got new load-bearing walls, new foundation. That foundation, it's, it's somewhere in there. The gospel's somewhere there in your life, but the gospel has become a needle in a haystack. It's just one of a handful of things that you build your life upon. It's not the main thing anymore. It's somewhere in the house. You just don't really know where. My home that we live in was uh, built in 1957. And if you walked inside, you probably wouldn't know that because it had been flipped before we bought it. And a lot of times if you've come over, I'll, I'll tell you kind of where things were. The front room that you walk in used to be a garage. 
and now it's this nice front room. Uh, the main part of the house uh, used to have one of those galley kitchens, but now it's like this nice wide open room, and there's a little window in the corner that used to be the front door. But you would never know this about the house. You would just kind of look and say, wow, this is a great floor plan. And the reality is the only reason I even know that about my house is because my neighbor across the street's lived here for 30 years, and he saw it when it was original. So he's actually the one who pointed out all of these things. I would never actually even know about it. And a lot of times, for many of you that have owned homes and you've done renovations, and over time, you, you change things. Even if it's just paint or wallpaper. You know, remember wallpaper, right? <laughs> And, and, you, and, you look, and you look at old photos and you go, oh, remember when we had that wallpaper up? Or remember when the wall used to be there? And you forget what the house originally looked like. You have to have a neighbor remind you or you have to have old photographs remind you of what your home used to look like. Church, it should not be the case for us when it comes to our life and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should not be the case for us that we move on from the gospel and the gospel becomes a distant memory, something that we forget. We look at our old sermon notes or old scribbles in our Bible and say, well, I remember when the God's word used to be so exciting to me. I remember when I used to hear a gospel message and just my heart would well up with thanksgiving. Now it's just white noise in my life. Now it's just not good news, but it's old news. Now someone's got to remind me of the gospel because I've totally forgotten where it is in my life. Because I've expanded the walls and changed things so much and I've built my life on so many other things. I know it's in there somewhere. That's why Paul says, you'll make it through the fire. You're still saved, but everything else is gonna be burned up around you. You're still a Christian. You're still born again. The gospel is, some of that foundation is still there, but it's been built up and built around. And now the load-bearing walls in your life aren't even promises of God. It's not God's love and steadfastness and patience towards you. No, it's other things. It's comfort, money, self-assurance, praise of man, esteem, self-worth, all these other things. Your identity as a parent, your identity as a husband or wife. Now all the load-bearing walls in your life are something completely different, built on a completely different foundation that is surrounding this needle in a haystack. That's what the Corinthians were doing in church. That is what we do. And, and I know that our church, corporately and as individuals, I know we can go that route. We should not be naive to think that we're always gonna be this fantastically gospel-centered church because guess what? We're human and we're forgetful. And we have to practice the art and spiritual discipline of remembering, hearkening to our mind and remembering the promises of God, gospel truths that are the superstructure of our life and continuing to build our lives, our marriages, our kids, our churches using precious stones, gold and silver, not wood, hay and stubble. We've got to constantly be reminding ourselves of where the foundation is and make sure we're not adding on to that foundation in our lives. Making sure we are constantly building upon that foundation with the stuff that God gives us in his word. Not the other stuff that looks good, or is more comfortable, more modern, but just the good old-fashioned gospel. Building our lives on that foundation with the right materials. The church, the gospel, this amazing work of Christ on the cross, God's undying love for you, the great promises he's given us, his faithfulness, 
His steadfastness, the beauty and wonder of Jesus, all the promises throughout all of the history of God's word that are given to us should never become this old memory, should never be far from our minds, far from our meditations, the meditations of our heart. Don't let the good news become old news. We start off amazed and excited about what God has done for us, and then all of a sudden it just becomes sort of this junk drawer term for us. Oh yeah, the gospel is put in the junk drawer. Oh, but look at the stuff we put up on the walls here. Oh yeah, I know, Jesus loves me. Okay, put it in the junk drawer. No, we don't want to do that. We can't do that. And we have to fight for this, church, because it is our natural proclivity to go towards the, the newer, fancier things, isn't it? Right, the new gadget that comes out or the new social media platform that comes out, the new car that comes out or whatever it might be, we, just, we run to those things. And I'm not saying that any of those things in and of themselves are bad. But when we build our lives upon those things and use those things to build our lives, that's when it's bad. See, because a lot of these things, church, they, a lot of these things like music preference, you know, or, or, or you know, the, the location of a church or, or certain things that you employ as values in your home, certain types of entertainment you enjoy or don't enjoy, those can be, those can be fine decorations in the home. All right, you, those can be fine, non-load-bearing walls in the room. Those can be fine furniture pieces in the room, but don't build upon those things. Don't let those things be the foundation. Don't let them be the superstructure. Don't build the walls up of those things. It's fine if you decorate, you've got personal preferences, you like certain authors to read over other authors, whatever. That's fine, have those as the decor in your home, but do not build upon them. Don't use them as the foundation and don't use them as the building blocks. Just let them decorate a little bit. Let them be the paint on the walls. But don't build a new foundation. You know, when it comes to things, you know, just to some particular application, you know, you might say to yourself, I've been trying so hard to work on my, my temper. I get angry super quickly. And, and you do all these things. You have this thing, well, I just, I just count to 10 you know, and then, and then that makes it better. And then I don't, see, and that's, and I'm not saying don't do that. If you gotta do that for the sake of your loved ones, count to 10, okay? But if you think that's gonna change your heart, you're wrong. That might change the instance right then, and again, mainly for the sake of people around you, do that. And to me, that's kind of like a, a decor in the house, but you cannot build your faith on some kind of self-preservation of counting to 10. Right, that might just be a little tactic you can use, but ask yourself, when's the last time you actually remembered and reminded yourself that God at one point had severe anger towards you, but instead he showed you mercy and grace? See, because that kind of a wall that's being built is gonna have you step back and maybe in your time of counting to 10, maybe count to 10 and think about that. <laughs> and if you think to yourself, God had justified anger against all the crazy things I've done. That starts melting your heart and now all of a sudden, whatever it is, it's your kid, your spouse, a coworker, you go, you know what, I think I can show grace to them. See, count to 10 just kind of puts that thing away momentarily, but what I just described actually starts changing your heart. It changes the way you think. It doesn't just placate your anger for a moment. And that's where remembering the gospel and building your anger management on gospel pillars rather than just human wisdom and logic and little tactics. Maybe you say to yourself, I've been battling pornography and lust. 
and I've got software, and I've got accountability partners, and I'm trying to distract myself, and I'm saying, do that. But let those things just be decor in the house. But you can't beat that thing. You can't, you can't battle that thing and win that war with just that. You have to also then meditate and remember and depend on the foundation, which is Jesus, and build that battle with the right kinds of materials if you're going to conquer that, if you're going to see victory against that. When you think back and think upon the love and goodness and kindness and the reception and the acceptance that God gives you, and all of a sudden that, that need to be accepted or received or whatever it is that's driving you to that lust, that desire for affection or intimacy, when you actually reflect upon the deep intimacy that you have with your Father through the Son, and you think of the great love, the unfathomable love, the unending love that you have from all of a sudden, that need for intimacy is starting to become distant because you're finding satisfaction in the acceptance you have with God. And I'm not saying don't do those other tactics, but don't build your fight on those things. Don't build your foundation on those things. It's not gonna work. It'll last for a moment, but that's about it. Maybe you have a fear of what people think of you, a fear of failure. Maybe you're timid. When's the last time you reminded yourself that God gave you his own son? That God promised that he would never leave you or forsake you, that you are his, that he loves you deeply and eternally. That you do not have to fear man because you don't even have to uh, fear God in the, in the being scared type of a way because you know that he loves you. And that should give you the self-confidence to say, you know what, what can man do to me? If God is for me, who can be against me? And you can employ some tactics, you know. They say public speakers, you know, I won't say what to tell you what they tell public speakers to do because I think you know what they tell you to do and I'm not doing that right now. But you know, there's tactics that people give you, right, in order to do certain things. I'm not saying don't do some of those tactics, but you've got to meditate though you have to meditate on the fact that God loves you deeply, that you have no fear that needs to be had because you've got eternal security in Christ. That's gonna change your heart and change your affections. So church, let it not be so among us that we forget the pillars of the gospel in our life and that we build new foundations in our life in order to conquer certain sin or certain personality flaws or character flaws. Let us not be those people that build our attack and build our homes and build this temple upon anything other than the foundation of Jesus Christ and the good news that he came and gave his life for us so that we might have eternal life, given the Holy Spirit, be made born again and adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. That alone should be our foundation as a church, as parents, as, as families, as spouses, as coworkers. Everything should be founded upon that foundation, nothing else. And if you get tempted to start building that addition or using cheap imitation for building materials, ask God for wisdom and the courage to abandon that project. Run from that project. Even if you've built a beautiful structure, be willing to leave that structure to return to the foundation, to tear down the walls of whatever it is you've built up that you are so proud of, be willing to burn that thing down and go back to the foundation of Jesus Christ using the right materials. There is no other structure that is worth giving your life to. No other structure that is worth giving 
the, your life's attention to other than building upon the foundation and building with the right materials. We have to preach daily to ourselves, Christ crucified for us. That truth, that good news must be the thing that we preach constantly to ourselves, that the power we have over sin only comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That the gospel, the good news itself, is the power of God unto salvation. That the Holy Spirit living inside of us who has only been given to us a gift because of the purchase made at the cross, because of Christ crucified, now you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works in you through working God's word in, inside of you. That's how you change. You change by God's word and the power of the Spirit only because of the power that was seen and shown upon the cross of Christ. Nothing else, nothing else. You have no power outside of that church to build your family, to build your parenting, to fight against and You have no power outside of Christ crucified. That is the only foundation we have, the only true foundation that will actually see change in our lives and change in the world around us as we are equipped in this good news and this truth. That is the power of God. And we have to preach daily to ourselves that those are the pillars that hold up our life. Nothing else. And we have to preach daily, reminding ourselves of this truth because we forget quickly. We're like fish <laughs> with an eight-second memory. We just move on. Yes, I know God loves me. But this over here, this is what's really going to help me conquer this sin. This last week I was at a conference in uh, Louisville and um, it was the Together for the Gospel conference. A lot of fantastic speakers, um, great theologians, just a lot of uh, overfilling of content. I'm just like overflowing with just good news and reminders. And the whole theme of this conference was this really. It was being distinct from the world. And one of the speakers, he gave this uh, picture that happened at a church. Outside the church, they had their, their mantra that was, we preach Christ crucified. It was emblazoned on the wall, painted nice and big. And over time, some ivy that they'd planted started creeping up on the wall. And slowly, no one noticed. And it was nice looking. The ivy was growing in, on this brick wall and it had this slogan, and eventually it covered up the word crucified. And now it just said, we preach Christ. And you think to yourself, okay, well, that's, that's still nice, right? We preach Christ. And eventually, though, the ivy kept going, and then it just said, we preach. And that was it. And eventually, over time, it just said, we. And eventually, it said nothing. And the picture he gave was this. He said, you know, the church, and that obviously, that wasn't happening within the internal part of the church. It was just something that got noticed. And that what happens when a church slowly lets something nice looking cover up even just the word crucified? You kind of think, well, no big deal. They still preach Jesus. But see, we can preach Christ in our lives and in our churches in a way where he's just kind of an example for us to strive after. We're going to work in our own ability in our own power to become like Christ. We're going to become good moral people like Christ. But we're not depending on the power given to us through Christ crucified. We're not preaching to a world around us that, no, don't just look to Christ as being a good teacher and a good moral example. No, you need to believe in Christ crucified if you want to be saved. And so we can't let even the smallest detail of the gospel be covered up even by something beautiful like ivy. Now, eventually it gets even worse though, doesn't it, church? Because all of a sudden, now the word Christ is even covered up, and now I go to a church that just has a nice motivational speaker, and he just preaches. He doesn't preach Christ. He definitely doesn't preach Christ crucified, but he preaches good morality. He preaches how to be a good person. He preaches good parenting. He preaches social issues. 
and it just fills me up and it's so encouraging. He preaches, our church preaches, but we don't preach Christ. We don't preach Christ crucified. Eventually, you know what that church happens to them? They just become a church just about we. It's just about us. Lifting us up, elevating ourselves. And you know what happens to churches like that? They stop even, they're not even churches at that time. They're social clubs and now the ivy covers over we and that's just a group of people. Just because someone comes together and calls themselves a church doesn't mean they're a church. Churches can just be social clubs, fellowship halls. No, a church is a church who preaches Christ crucified. Christ crucified as the foundation of our faith, of our lives, of everything that we do. So in this picture, going back into 1 Corinthians, is this making sense? <laughs> I just, you know, you guys, you guys can tell when I'm preaching myself, right? <laughs> like I know I don't have to, I sometimes say it, but like sometimes I don't think I gotta say it. Man. So in, back into 1 Corinthians, in this picture, he's appealing to the Corinthians to be part of building the church. And they should only be building on the cornerstone of Christ with the right materials. And looking again at what he says here in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than what that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, meaning the judgment day, because it'll be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive his reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though this is not a salvation text because it says, though you, he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, the list of materials goes from the most precious and reliable to the most flammable, if you notice that. And notice he says at the end that your work will be rewarded based on the work that you do and if it lasts or not. It's not about salvation, but the work that we do as Christians and what we build as Christians, born-again Christians. And he says, look, if you're a Christian, your soul will survive this type of fire. You're, you know, if, but if you don't pass building code, you'll still be alive, but the structure will be gone and you won't be rewarded for your work. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul here again says to Timothy, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So he says, watch yourself, watch your own heart because your heart's gonna wander and watch what you're teaching. And, and this isn't just for teachers and pastors. Parents, you're, you're teachers, right? Husbands, you're teachers. Wives, you're teachers. Friends, you're teachers. Anytime you open your mouth about anything, even if it's about your favorite movie, you're teaching someone something. Right? Because whatever you talk about, you're giving value to, you're pointing them to. So we're all teaching in some way. Even if it's a lowercase t, we're all teachers. So watch yourself in your own heart and watch what you're teaching. And here's why. Persist in this, in this close watch. Because by doing so, if you keep a close watch on your own heart and what you say and what you teach, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now why is this text important when it comes to this First Corinthians text? You know, whenever I travel, particularly outside of the country, it makes me very thankful for many of the building codes we have in America. I didn't say all of them, okay, but many of them. Isn't it amazing? And it's heartbreaking when you hear of an earthquake that happens in a third world country and 7,000 people die. That hasn't happened in our country for 100 years, right? Because we build things to a particular code using particular materials. 
So with a real building, an actual physical structure, when the materials are shoddy and they're not built right, not built on a good foundation, people's lives are in danger. It doesn't just look ugly. That's not why we have building codes. But people's lives are in danger when we ignore those things. And we see that as evidence in other countries. I see that when I travel. And so if real buildings, if, if we're to take care of how we build real buildings, so physical lives are being preserved and not endangered, we want to build with the right materials, then how much more than as we build our spiritual lives and our churches and our families that we want to say both ourselves and the hearers of our words, your kids, your spouses, your friends. We don't want to build our faith and our life with shoddy materials because we will not save ourselves and those that hear us. Our church has to be built on a good foundation if we want the hearers of our words to be saved. If we build the church on anything else, production value or quality of music or the quality of our coffee or whatever it is, people will not be saved. In the course of time, it will be proven that those things will fail. Quality of sound and music and even the quality of how good the preacher is and, and how nice the room is and the lighting, all that stuff. All that stuff is just going to be burnt up in the end. We have to build our lives on the foundation of Christ. And we have to take heart and watch our own hearts and watch what we teach so that we would save both ourselves and our hearers. In your notes, I just I wrote this little blurb out here. When a building is built with shoddy materials, people's lives become endangered. When the church is built with shoddy materials, people's lives become endangered. So what does Paul then say back in 1 Corinthians? Don't you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So how do you destroy the temple? How do you destroy the church? Meaning the people, the local assembly, one way you do it is by building it poorly. That's how you, that's how you break a church. That's one way you break a church. That's one way that you destroy the temple of the living God. And it doesn't mean destroyed unto eternal damnation. But how do you, how do you destroy a local congregation? Just build it with shoddy materials. How do, you, how do you destroy the spiritual foundation of your kids? Build it with shoddy materials. Don't pay attention to what you're teaching them. Use hay and wood to build their spiritual life. Little gimmicky things to keep the kids interested in Jesus rather than teaching them how amazing he is. We could, we could resort to gimmicks as a church to get people in the doors and keep them here and whatever, but in the end, it's gonna be tested by fire and it's not gonna pass code. We'll still be saved, but there will be no reward for us because we were just building our church with junk. I don't want to build our church that way. Church, I don't, want to, I don't want to build my life like that. The unfortunate thing about this is oftentimes you don't really see the quality of the building until time passes. And what I don't want to do with my life and with our time together and what I don't want to see you do with your life is get down the road 10, 20, 25 years and go, what was I doing? And you might be in a place right now where you're kind of maybe realizing that's what I've been doing. But guess what? God is faithful. He's good. And he is the master builder. And he is willing and able to help you tear down anything shoddy that you put together. And he will build with you. 
anything that you have, maybe you've already admitted, like I've, I've ruined my life in this area, you can move forward by God's grace and he will help you rebuild. And he will help you rebuild on the foundation of Jesus with the right materials. He is a good, gracious, and patient God, a patient architect. And he's gonna help, he's gonna begin the work and he's gonna finish the work. He's gonna be right there with you saying, no, don't put that stone there, put that there. He's gonna guide you through his word by the spirit dwelling inside you. He's gonna give you the wisdom to tear down this thing and tear down that thing. And he's gonna give you the wisdom to start rebuilding. He's good. And he will do this for you. But we've gotta have the humility to first of all, go to this place where we say, yes, I've been building poorly. I've been building on the wrong foundation. But God, I, I love that you're good and patient with me. I love that, that you will help me rebuild the whole thing. That I can trust you in this. And I, I, want, I want a faith that lasts. I want, to, I want to build in a way that lasts. So God, help me to do this because I need you. I need your wisdom as the great architect. I need your approval as the fire chief and the building inspector. And I want to do this thing right because I do want myself and my hearers to be saved and know the salvation of the true and living God. I want to withstand the fire and withstand the storm. So I want to close just by reading a parable that Christ gave, one that probably came to mind for some of you here. I just want to read this very simple parable and then we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us to drive this truth into our hearts. This is from Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I tell you? See, you realize you're totally contradicting yourself. You call me Lord, but you don't actually follow me. You call me Lord, but you're, you say you're building on the foundation, but you've actually built a new foundation. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. This is what that person's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears the word and doesn't do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And so we can build our homes and our, 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 our lives, our faith, on different foundation with shoddy materials, and it'll look good for a little while, church. Your tactics, your human wisdom, which is what Paul goes into at the end, that'll last a little while. You can, you can get a lot of stuff done with human wisdom. But only over the course of time will the real true quality of the foundation and the building materials will be shown. And it's when that storm comes, when that flood comes, something's either gonna shake you and destroy it, like Paul says, in fire, or it's gonna withstand the fire. It's gonna withstand the flood. And so for us, we want to be that man that Christian that builds our everything on the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we are uh, again mesmerized and amazed by your truth, convicted also 
and reminded. Help us, Lord, to engage constantly in the spiritual discipline of remembrance and recollection. Something so simple, just to remember things. But how often your servant who wrote down the different books of the Bible, Paul most often, telling people to remember, remember, remember. Help us to remember the foundation that has been laid. Help us to remember what and how we're to build. Help us to recognize places that we've been building a new foundation or a new superstructure, new load-bearing walls. Show us where we've moved the load-bearing walls in our life. That in times of stress and anxiety, we don't depend on Jesus, but we depend on other things. Those are the load-bearing walls in our life. When we look for happiness and joy, we might look for uh, comfort or money. Those have now become load-bearing walls in our life. But we know, God, that your word tells us that in the end, those things will prove themselves to be just wood, hay, and stubble. So help us, Lord, to firstly acknowledge, well, firstly to see your beauty, see your, your majesty, the amazement of your faithfulness, your goodness, your glory. And through that, God, that then we would see our faults and we would repent, we'd confess and repent. We'd turn from those things. We'd start tearing down those structures. And that God, after that, that we would just throw ourselves upon you and entrust ourselves to you, the great architect, to rebuild our lives on the foundation of your son. We wanna be people who preach Christ crucified and believe Christ crucified. Help us, O Lord. We love you and we thank you. We worship you and it is in Jesus' mighty name, the name above all names, the rock of ages, the foundation of our faith, the cornerstone of our faith. Amen.